You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. So you think you've got what it takes to join the Alliance. Can you say the same thing when you're pitted against the Emperor's legions of stormtroopers, led by his Sith Enforcer Darth Vader? Mind you, this is the Empire that wiped out the Jedi Order and took over the Republic in a near-perfect coup. The course you will take is a dangerous one, and we are vastly outnumbered. We need beings of courage, intelligence, and strength of will. Commanders Michael Cohen and Matthew Frankie are waiting to debrief you. As veterans of the Clone Wars, they are some of the best. They even survived the Jedi Purge. You are fighting for freedom and hope now. So go on, get moving. Oh, and Rookie. Welcome to the Rebellion. Hello and welcome back to the Rebels Podcast. This is our 19th episode of Season 3 for the season finale, Zero Hour. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, my faithful co-pilot, Matt the Crankster Cranky. Uh, hey! Oh, man. We're in for a doozy. It's a, yeah, it's a doozy, man. Hey, it's it's kind of bittersweet, though, Mike. It's a, yep. It's the last episode for this season. Uh, we're not getting any, any new stuff until uh, the fall of this year. But, uh, yeah. yeah, like I said, a little bittersweet. Pretty good episode. Um, I'll just say right off the bat, I, we're going to skip some news, folks, this time because we've got a big episode to get to. But just, um, yeah, I thought it was a, a good here, episode. Here. It did blow me away. Yeah, here, <laughs> but, let me let me do the news real quick, okay? Okay. Okay, real, that? real quick. Rogue One went through extensive, extensive, extensive rewrites, which is why the movie is a goddamn mess. <laughs> That's the news. That's He's the so news. so shade again, folks. Yeah, I mean, like, everybody's acting like it's so Ooh. exciting. Like, oh, my God, did you know that there were three alternate endings? Did you know that Bodhi Rook's character was completely different in the original draft? Did you know that this happened? Did you know that Jin's supposed to be a Jedi? Did you know blah, 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 blah? And it's like... Jin's mother. Mother, yeah. Yeah, well, she's supposed to be a force <laughs> user as well, though, right? Like, oh, that's sort true. of I the intimation so, yeah. there is that she would have some force ability. But, yeah. um, that's funny. The subtext behind all of these news stories is that I, I, and, and I'm being, I'm being a little bit flip with it. I think Rogue One is a fine movie. I think it's good. Like, I'm going to get it on Blu ray. But um, it's a Star Wars movie. I, I think it's better than 90% of movies. But I will say, I enjoyed Power Rangers way more than I enjoyed Rogue One. Power Rangers was so Whoa, good. Get out of here. Oh, my God. It was here. so good. And if you want to hear if you want to hear more about how much I love Power Rangers, go to patreon.com slash thunderquack and, and uh, I sub, like pledge over there. Because our exclusive episode this month, I'm bringing a Power Rangers specialist onto the thunder quack podcast to go like deep dive into power rangers what they did right and what they did wrong and uh so if you're a hardcore power rangers fan or if you want to hear some real real nerdy talk about power rangers patreon.com slash thunder quack but 
Um, I'm just, I, you know, the, the, the subtext is that, that Rogue One, it, it had a lot of problems during its production. Um, oh, and, I like uh, you know, it's, it's not, it is not the force awakens. And I think that time <laughs> will tell on that. Cause I think in, in another 10 years when we've got a billion different, uh, uh, uh star Wars movies post, I, I, the Force Awakens to compare them all to. We're gonna look mm-hmm. and we're gonna go. Well, the Force Awakens was awesome. Rogue One, maybe not as great as it could have been. There are other movies that are way better. So, um, that's all I'm saying. I'm just saying, you know, it's not. <laughs> it isn't better than the Force Awakens, and I will fight anybody who says otherwise. Uh, also, well, just really yeah. quick before we get into the recap, I, I. The Freemaker Adventure Season 2 has been all but confirmed by uh, oh, yeah, by the, right. the schedule at Celebration because they mm-hmm. will – this is the one thing that I am so upset that I won't get to be at because, like, we are such big fans. <laughs> it's so stupid. We're such big fans of the Freemaker Adventures, uh, uh, me especially, I think, because I'm such a big Lego geek, that yeah. I – would love the opportunity to meet those guys and like thank them and talk to them and say like, Hey, we're those guys that were like all summer going like the show's really good. Everybody <laughs> you should be watching it. <laughs> um, but it's okay. Yeah. We'll catch them at the next celebration when they're doing, you know, uh, free maker season four or five or whatever. But well, yeah, uh, they, they, got, they won a bunch of awards not a bunch, but they, they won four different awards. Yeah. So. Yeah. So like, yeah, it, I mean, like this show's getting its recognition and and, yeah. and uh, they haven't officially announced season two. But the thing that reminded me of that is that as we are recording, Bob Roth tweeted or uh, like oh, our tweeted, tweet yeah. from uh, from earlier today to say saying congratulations about all the awards. Um, are they awards or nominations? In in any case, I mean, it doesn't really make a difference. The show is awesome, yeah. and it's getting recognition for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah. yeah, that's all I wanted to say. We can jump into the recap whenever you're ready, Matt. <laughs> yeah, no, I just say, uh, you know, uh, there's going to be a lot of news coming in the next, uh, mm-hmm. well, of course, at, at Celebration. So I'm sure we'll get back together uh, in a few weeks um, to talk some Rebels news the, and yeah, there possibly are, some other things. So there will yeah. be two. There will be two things that'll happen. Matt and I will come back and we will do um, definitely a, a roundup on Rebels news and maybe a few other uh, sort of the the, the bigger notes. Um, and then we will more than likely do a roundtable on Thunderquack in the week following Star Wars Celebration to go over the trailer and other announcements that are made at Star Wars Celebration because it is going to be crazy this year, I think. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess with that, man, let's, uh, let's, let's get into this season finale. Wow. Here we go. You're in the wrong place. Yeah! Rebel! 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 This is our rebellion. And it's exactly this moment I've been waiting for. Now it's time for the Rebels Recap. Welcome home. Rebels! Yeah! All right, here we go. It's the season three finale, Zero Hour Parts 1 and 2. Grand Admiral Thrawn. Thrawn's shuttle arrives at the Imperial headquarters on the fall. Greeted by Governor Price and Admiral Constantine, Thrawn disembark, uh, disembarks flanked by two death troopers. He tells Governor Price that he brings urgent news. Unknown to them, they are being watched from above by Agent Callus, who is the rebel operative known as Fulcrum. Thrawn and the Imperials walk down a corridor into a briefing room. Callus uses a mouse droid to spy on their conversation. Inside the briefing room, Thrawn closes the blinds. 
When Admiral Constantine asks them about the necessity of these precautions, Thrawn warns them that they still have a traitor in their midst. He tells them that he's going to reveal uh, what he's going to reveal to Rebel Hand, initiating a hologram conversation with Grand Moff. This beginning, Grand Moff back, and um, mm -hmm. the plans are kind of set in motion for the and Thrawn arrives, and troopers, Mike. A lot of people were kind of excited to see them kind of get put into uh, into this time frame. Uh, yeah. They don't really do much. Uh, they're just there. And I think the point of the Death Troopers now is to point out that this is a major offensive. Thrawn is going into battle, and and these Death Troopers are much like they did with in Rogue One with um, uh, geez, I'm trying to find all of a sudden. Uh, what's the name of Rogue One? The bad guy. Oh, uh, <laughs> you're asking the I'm wrong guy. Blank him. Um, yeah, we I... know who you're talking about. The dude in the white. Credit. Uh, how can I forget that? Um, Krennic, yeah, duh. Yeah. So anyway, kind of like Krennic, he had he had his uh, jet troopers around him anytime he was uh, doing something pretty fairly major. So, uh, not, uh, some stuff that we'll talk about in this next paragraph too, Mike. Anything you want to mention before we go on in this part? No, no. I mean, I think that the 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 thing with death troopers is just that they um they. Uh, they stick with important figures in the uh, in the the Imperial Army. Um, I think that that's their purpose. So they're kind of, um, especially like sort of in the in this sort of intelligence or securities uh, uh, divisions, right? So I think that's the idea that we're supposed to get from that. It let's be mm -hmm. honest, it's also just like, oh, this is a new thing. Let's put it in the show as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, so I don't know. I, I, I kind of felt that they were a little bit, they were totally underutilized, but I also right. feel like in Rogue One, uh, it, they're a little bit, it's a little confusing because at the beginning of the movie, it makes it seem like they're real, um, tough guys. And then at the end of the movie, they're kind of, I don't know, they're not that much better than regular store. Not much so. better than, yeah, I was just going to say that, but yeah. I, I, I appreciate what they're doing as far as. Um, you know, adding or bringing in characters or or these stormtroopers or death troopers that are yeah. in the movies. It's just, again reinforcing that whole thing about this universe being together as far as movies and TV and the animation stuff. So I do like that, and then and it sounds like we're going to see uh, a lot of that coming up in maybe season four too. But we'll get to that later on down the line. Yeah. But uh, yeah, go ahead, Mike. You want to continue? Sure. Uh, he informs Tarkin that the rebels of the Phoenix Squadron are planning to launch an attack. Tarkin initially does not believe him, but Thrawn replies that everything leading up to this moment has been rehearsal, and that the real performance is about to begin. The Rebels are planning to attack the TIE Defender factory on Lothal. Thrawn's spies have reported that General Dodonna's fleet is en route to reinforce Commander Sato and Captain Sindula's forces. Thrawn has not yet uncovered the location where the Rebel fleet is massing, but Governor Price thinks that a coordinated Rebel, Rebel attack is unprecedented. Thrawn responds that he has been waiting for this moment to wipe out the rebellion. While Callus eavesdrops on their conversation, uh, Tarkin orders Thrawn to capture the rebel leadership so that they can make examples of them. The thing that I find really interesting about this is that, you know, like we talked about this a lot in the lead up to the season finale. There's no way that they can attack Lothal because they, if they do, they have to lose, right? And granted, they lose in this episode right. as well. Like they get away, but they lose. Um, because the fleet is is dealt a massive, massive blow. Imagine how 
different Rogue One would have played out had they not lost all those Y wings, the carrier, the all those uh, the frigates, transports. Um, they would have had almost twice as many ships, I think, in Rogue One if they had had uh, uh, the rest of this of these these two these two squadrons right um mm-hmm. with the masasi group this this part of the masasi group as well as phoenix squadron and phoenix squadron is all but wiped out so um there's a reason why we don't see them in the movies which is something that i'm gonna get used to saying over the course of i think the next season or two if we go two seasons um it's like there's a reason why sato's not in the films it's because he died <laughs> right yeah, well, i'm kind of yeah. getting ahead of us but oh spoiler spoiler spoilers. look out but um <laughs> i we were talking about you know like like you know it's right there in the crawl that that um scarif is i mean you have to intimate it after the fact but scarif is the first major offensive between the rebel alliance um which up until this point like it's not even a rebel alliance yet right it's only be coming a rebel alliance now just just recently like like two episodes ago two or three episodes ago so um like there's no way that lothal could be a victory and i uh, and so we, we were kind of going like you know how are they going to do this uh how's this going to happen and it turns out that the attack on lothal never happens lothal mm-hmm. is never liberated and i don't think that it will be um right and and the other part of that is that the TIE Defenders were sort of built up at the beginning of the season as, like, the big challenge. Sort of like a big bad, kind of like a, like a, a, an accessory to, to Grand Admiral Thrawn. And then there are no TIE Defenders in this, in this battle. So, um, I don't know, I, I found that really interesting. So the Defenders must be, like, they must be saving them for Season 4. Um, I like, uh, and, and the thing with the defenders is that again, we've got to figure out something to stop those defenders from going into full scale production because they are not in the movies. And I guess like neither are the, um, the, the, oh, what are they? The tie. Oh, what are they in rogue one? Well, the flat ones, the, the atmospheric um, ones. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. It's not intercepted. They're like but, uh, they're like daggers. They 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 they, they yeah. have the two wings uh, sort of like flattened down. Um, mm-hmm. Right, right. In any case, like those aren't in uh, in the original trilogy, and neither are are you know U wings or a bunch of other stuff. We know why there are no U wings. They all got destroyed at the Battle of Scarif, but um, yeah. or maybe there's one or two, but they weren't. That's not the type of starfighter that you would use in an assault on, on the Death Star. But, um, but yeah, it's, so, you know, we kind of have to kind of look at this stuff and go like, well, something's going to happen with these tied defenders. Uh, something has to happen with the tied defenders. But, um, I thought that was really interesting because it felt like that was going to be where this was going. And then it doesn't like the tied defenders don't even come into play in this episode. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing that kind of, I was, I was interested about too, is, because they talk about, well, they don't talk about it, but um, this Tide Defender factory, a ma- you know, this is a major thing, um, yeah. and it's a devastating aircraft against the rebels. I mean, we've seen what it can do. I mean, it was yeah. featured in that one episode, so we know what the, it's can what it can do, and uh, it's it's like going to be it's it's supposed to be a major 
uh, like I said, a major uh, aircraft for the uh, for the empire. So, um, and another thing, as far as this particular section too, I think the Tarkin um, here in Tarkin, it's almost like he doesn't believe at this point the rebels are much of a threat because he, he kind of dismisses them a little bit, uh, and he says, you know, hey, you know, capture him, and he's like, and Drawn's like, oh, I don't know if I can capture him. I might have to kill a few. And he's like, well, no, I think you can capture him. So uh, to me, it seemed like at this point, Tarkin doesn't see them as a big threat. He's not even around for this thing. So uh, at least at this point in the timeline, it looks like Tarkin's not too worried about the the rebels at this point. So uh, I thought that was that was kind of interesting to get the perspective of uh, Tarkin at this point and the war against the rebels. Uh, I'll continue, Mike. At Chopper Base, Ezra marvels at Hera's success in rallying the rebel forces for a strike on Lothal. Ezra thanks Kanan, Zeb, Sabine, and even Chopper for their help in liberating Lothal. However, Kanan thinks that the full credit goes to Ezra. He says that he, he and Hera recognized that there was something special about Ezra, although he could not teach Ezra everything he needed uh, He needed to. However, Ezra responds that he thinks his master did his best. When Kanan expresses doubt that he can teach Ezra any more due to his limited Jedi training, Ezra reassures Kanan that his master taught him more about life and how to be a better person. So um, just real quick on this, I loved hearing the, the movie score in this particular shot of the Rebels and Kanan and, and Ezra and, and uh, kind of all getting together for this major – it kind of reminded me of some of the stuff in the original trilogy. I think that was Luke's theme that was playing maybe, uh, if I remember right. Uh, I just kind of love that too. And, and of course, hearing kind of this moment with Ezra and, and Kanan, how – He's right, you know, Kanan, I don't know how much more Kanan can teach him because he's barely a Jedi as it is, you know what I mean? So it totally rings true that he doesn't, he's like, hey, I don't know if I can teach him more, but Ezra has this kind of kind of nice line about being uh, more of a family than, than anything. So that was kind yeah. of a neat thing. Anything, uh, any thoughts on that one? No, yeah, it was this, It was a really nice moment between those two characters, and it was nice to see yeah. I, I, Ezra and Kanan sort of share a little bit more of a, I, I really feel like we haven't gotten a lot of Kanan as for this season, and they've no. their relationship has really been the focus of the series up until now. Um, there was a lot more Ezra and Sabine than than anything this season. So, um, and I know that the, that was in an attempt to to mix things up a bit, right? Get get things a little bit uh, shaken up on the show, but um, so that you know, sort of pairing up different different groups of the rebels, but yeah. Um, it was one of those things where like, you don't really notice that you miss it until, until it pops back up again. And you're like, Oh, like these two, uh, like have forged a, a pretty strong bond over the last two seasons, uh, three seasons. Cause I guess we're all done with season three. So yeah. yeah, I thought that that was really good. I thought it was really well handled and it could have been, it could have been a sappy moment, but it wasn't, it was kind of right there. It was right where it needed to be. So. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know if I can teach you anything more about the Force, but you know, Ezra's like, well, you can teach me a lot about life lessons and all that. I mean, yeah. and as, I mean, Kanan's been through man a bunch of crap, so he he can teach him a lot about that. So, uh, go ahead, Mikey. You want to continue? Yeah, uh, Hera then informs Ezra and Kanan about the impending arrival of General Dodonna and the Masasi group. Kanan recognizes Dodonna as the general whom they had stolen the Y wings on Reclam Station for. Dodonna is the leader of one of the largest of the rebel cells and will be helpful in taking out the Imperial factories on Lothal. 
above the planet Adalon. Commander Sato is on the bridge of the Phoenix home when General Dodonna's fleet of Nebulon B escort frigates and corvettes exit hyperspace. Sato contacts Dodonna's flagship, Vanguard, and welcomes him to Adalon. Dodonna intends to deal a blow to the Empire and show the galaxy what the Rebellion is capable of. Um, I always found, like, it's funny. They, they've kind of changed things up on us a little bit in terms of uh, EU lore. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it used to be that the Nebulon B it was a medical frigate. Right. So it was basically a support vehicle that would hang back. And the only reason that there there are Nebulon Bs at the Battle of Endor is because it is a last-ditch battle. And mm-hmm. so they're just like everything. It doesn't matter what the ship is. It doesn't matter if it's a transport, if it's if it's a, a, a frigate, it, it makes no difference. These, these vehicles don't have weapons, but, um, we just need, we just need numbers. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of those, uh, those frigates and stuff like that carry personnel that are then important in, you know, like, like refueling and, and loading up and, and getting ships ready, like fighters and stuff like that ready. But really, when you when you look at it like like if you watch Return of the Jedi, the the frigates aren't doing anything. They're just there almost oh, just as there. like shields, yeah. right? Um yeah. same with same with any of the transports that are there. And it's like um the the transports themselves have no defenses there or or I should say offenses. Um they're specifically like just sort of like um container ships, right? Um, that that's mm-hmm. kind of their whole point is that you know like they're it's kind of like a, a flipped upside down container ship, and yet in this like we're we're seeing that like General Dodonna's fleet is mostly made of Nebulon yeah. bees. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like the corvettes are are warships, right? Like especially um, post Revenge of the Sith, these Corellian corvettes have been. Um, retrofitted with as many weapons as possible so they are like bristling with guns um and mm-hmm. if you if you actually compare um the the tentative four from revenge of the sith with the tentative four from a new hope you'll see that the tentative four in revenge of the sith has no weapons on it and mm-hmm. then or it might have like one or two i think but but because the the alderanians are, are peaceful that there's really not any weapons on it and then you look at it in a new hope and the thing has like i think it's something like like 10 cannons or something on it like it's yeah. it is like it, you see them like they're 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 trading shots with a star destroyer and that takes a lot but that's kind of the purpose of a corvette right is to be smaller than a destroyer if you're talking about naval terms um and then frigates are are kind of they're just support ships and so they would be something that like launches fighters or uh, or is a place for people to sort of pull back in the middle of a battle to to refuel or or um, get medical attention or something like that. And that's sort of how they're mm-hmm. referred to in the expanded universe uh, pre Disney <laughs> post yeah, Disney. Right. The Nebulon B is a ship just like any other warship and, and they, they treat it the same as they would treat like like the the, um, the Corvettes or the Mon Cal cruisers or any of that stuff. And it's like they're really they're really not meant to be their support. Yeah, because I, mean, I can yeah. think of times in like the New Jedi Order where 
um, they sort of, they, they refer back to like all, all they have left is the frigate sort of thing. It's like, Oh, all of our, our capital ships are, are done. Right. But I don't know. They, they're kind of, they're kind of retconning it a little bit. Well, it's, yeah, when you think about it, like, what do they have that can go up against a Star Destroyer? I mean, yeah. like you said, it's just all frigates and and stuff like especially right at this point. Um, of course, they got their fighters and all that, but they don't have a big, giant, you know, Imperial cruiser like 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 they have here in, in the uh, in the Empire. They're just devastating, yeah. you know, it's just like you said, it's just these frigates. It was actually pretty damn cool to see them exit hyperspace. Uh, and to see Dodonna's fleet kind of come in, you're like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool to see all the just. But again, it is a lot of frigates and medical stuff. So you're like, oh, boy. It's just like a lot of cannon fodder for, for the Empire out there. Yeah. So, uh, Meanwhile, on the fall, Callus rides out to the tower that once served as the home of Ezra Bridger. Inside, he switches on a transmitter to send an to the rebels, but finds that his signal is being jammed. Thrawn confronts Callus and identifies him as a rebel spy, Fulcrum. Callus charges at Thrawn, but the Grand Admiral punches him. Following a brief fistfight, Thrawn throws Callus to the floor. He compliments Callus for his fighting technique, but adds that he is familiar with the uh, limitations of Imperial Academy training. Callus flings the Stormtrooper helmet at Thrawn, but the Grand Admiral hurls it back at him. Callus manages to uh, knock Thrawn to the ground and smash his jammer. Following a second round, Thrawn kicks him out onto the balcony. Callus is arrested by two death troopers. Thrawn remarks that Callus has the heart of a rebel before taking him into custody. Uh, Mike, you want to do the, this next section and we'll talk about yeah, this, sure. whole, this whole thing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, back at Thrawn's command center, Callus is strung up against a rack. Thrawn tells Callus that his transmission to the rebels has given him the last piece of the puzzle. He presents a holographic chart displaying the trajectory of General Dodonna's fleet and the trajectory of Callus's transmission. Taken separately, Thrawn remarks that they mean, mean nothing, but together. Callus tries to interject by claiming that there is no planet there, and that the rebels are smarter than he gives them credit for. Thrawn chides Callus for not studying art. There is much it can show you if you know where to look. While the Adalon system does not appear on any Imperial charts, Thrawn points out that it appears in the art of the ancient people of the Lothal sector. You have the heart of a rebel. I'll take that as a compliment. You may have transmitted your warning agent, but in doing so, you've given me the last piece of the puzzle. Now, this is the trajectory of General Dudana's fleet, and this is the trajectory of your Fulcrum transmission. Taken separately, they mean nothing, but together... Nothing. There's no planet there. The rebels are smarter than you give them credit for. A pity you do not study art, Agent Callus. There is much it can show you if you know where to look. Such as a system which does not appear on Imperial charts, but is represented in the art of the ancient people of this sector. I believe they call this Atalon, now the home of your rebel base. Admiral Constantine, deploy the fleet to these coordinates. We... We'll join you shortly. Ah, uh, Mikey's got him, and and this thing starts off with, of course, in uh, in Ezra's old house. And I, actually, I really love this little sequence here and this fight between these two, and they're actually going at it pretty good. And here's the thing about uh, about 
uh, Thrawn is that, and he does this again later in the episode, he he relishes in kind of savoring, like fighting someone and, and inflicting some punishment because he had the death troopers with him. He could have very easily walked in with the death troopers. Mm-hmm. They could have, you know, hey, put your hands up and everything's fine. No, he had them wait outside so he can he can go in there and kind of dill out some punishment, uh, and kind of make him suffer a little bit and then finish the job. And then that's when the death troopers come in. So that's kind of this guy's mentality is he lo- he's like a cat, man. He loves to play with his uh, with his enemy a little bit before going in for the kill. So I kind of like that about him. And and then, of course, he's talking about he finally figures out um, th- this uh, the, the base. And it's not in any imperial charge, which is in- interesting. Uh, it's kind of hidden there, and he's able to trace it with the communications and the, and what the rebels are doing. Uh, lines it up with this art thing, you know, and it's it all comes together for him right here, it's Mike. But uh, right, what are your thoughts on this uh, this uh, particular scene? Yeah, well, you know, it made me start to worry for Callus, um, and we've been worried yeah. for a couple for a couple of thought he was going, now. huh? Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I'm very worried, like, you know, is, is he going to make it is, and, and, you know, spoilers, thankfully he does. I, I, cause we built up Callus. He's gone. He's, he's had a very, uh, a very similar trajectory to Asajj Ventress where he, uh, he's this like just dripping with evil bad guy when we first meet him. But over the course of the story, we find out that like, oh, no, he's actually kind of, you know, he he thinks what he's doing is right. He was manipulated in in a few instances. He didn't know that he was that they were basically exterminating the uh, the Lasat um, when he was part of that. Right. Like uh, and you'll notice that, like, since that story where he came to to befriend um, Zeb, we haven't seen him use the bow rifle. Uh, and now I don't remember. I'd have to go back and watch to see if he like lost it in that episode. It's possible that he did, but mm-hmm. um, more, the I think what's more important than that is just that like he doesn't use a bow rifle anymore because mm-hmm. uh, he I think like he gained that respect for for Zeb and the Lasat after that, and and that's sort of the the turning point in his character, and he's he's learned that the people that he's working for and with are actually not the good guys. Um, mm-hmm. and the more he dug into it, the more he realized that, that he was on the wrong side of the fight. Um, and so to have him flip and, and join the other side, uh, was great, but it was sort of like, Oh no, now it's kind of all for nothing. But, uh, but by the end of this episode, thankfully he's, uh, He's actually with the rebels now, which yeah, I know. Uh, cool. the, the thing that I'm most excited for right now at Star Wars Celebration is uh, is is hopefully getting to see what his costume is in season four, because I <laughs> yeah, want to see what right. his rebel gear looks like, because because he's not right. going to be wearing that Imperial gear anymore. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm very interested to see what they do with his character. Um, especially 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 when you go back to season one and you look at some of the concept art that we saw early on some of the stuff that even leaked uh callus was supposed to be a chiss he mm-hmm. was supposed to be thrawn not thrawn. necessarily yeah. thrawn but he was supposed <laughs> to be like a 
a lower version of Thrawn, right? Sort of them going like, oh, we can't use Thrawn right now, but we can create a character that's the same. And then they decided not to. I would imagine probably when they were told like, oh, you can just use Thrawn at some point. Like, like don't do this because if you do that, you're going to cheapen when Grand Admiral Thrawn does show up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like, so they ended up making him a, a, a human. Um and actually, I think, like, that's where, like, David Oyelowo is uh, the voice of Callus, And he is, uh, he's, I think he's, like, British of African descent, but I'm not 100% sure. So I don't want to, I don't want to sound too ignorant in that, because obviously I could just look it up. But, um, but he is of African descent, so, so. Uh, for him to play a white character in the show is a little bit weird, but not when you start to put it into context that he was cast back when that character was supposed to be Chiss. And so the skin color wasn't an issue. Mm -hmm. And then when they decided for him to be human, um, one of the most important things about the uh, sort of faceless and sort of, you know, like the Nazi parallel in the empire is that when you look at it, it's just a bunch of white dudes, right? Mm -hmm. There's no women, there's no people of color. It's all white dudes and specifically British white dudes. Um, Sort of all with that fancy sort of uh, 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 accent and none of the, the sort of more, more ragtag elements. Um, And so, yeah, like you kind of understand why that character became what he became. So there's an evolution to that. Um, but I, I don't think that even when they were making those decisions or when they cast, uh, David in that role, I have, I don't think that they had the slightest clue that -hmm. they would take that character to this place. So, you know, we're not going to be at star Wars celebration, unfortunately, even though (laughs) you may have seen our names on some of the, some of the schedules that went out early, um, because still there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I, 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 Mary and I, I, uh, Reed Pop and, and Lucasfilm were kind enough to give us a slot, even though we didn't uh, we didn't apply for a slot on the podcast stage, but uh, because Matt and I aren't going to be there, so um, we were really really flattered to find out that we like she she sent out the yeah, email whoa. to be like you're getting this because you've got a spot on the stage and I'm like uh. I didn't send it. Matt, did you send it? <laughs> it's like, no, no we, I didn't send nobody it. sent anything in. So I, I, when I was talking to Mary, I was like, oh, somebody must really like us. They really want us to have a panel. So they <laughs> sent that in. So I don't know how that ended up happening. Uh, but uh, but somehow or another, uh, uh, we uh, we were applied for and, uh, and got a spot. But we're not going to get one. But um, yeah. Um, if we were going to be at Star Wars Celebration this year, one of the things that I would want to ask Dave Filoni about, uh, and maybe if any any of you listeners are going to be there, uh, you can ask him, is, uh, is how Callus came to be this character. Um, because I would really love to hear about the evolution of that and and how he went from a bad guy, a real just like bad, bad, like not bad, but like a super awesome bad guy that you just love to hate to being, um, to be honest, one of my favorite heroes on this show. Like I love Callus. I think he's such an interesting character. And, uh, and for a little while it seemed like, Oh, maybe he's not going to make it. Yeah. But 
Yeah, I'm, I'm glad he did, and and we'll talk about it a little later. Yeah. But um, such, I'm such a fan of this character now. I'm so I'm so happy that he made it. But this, yeah, like I said, this fight was really cool to see them, and it was kind of funny yeah. to see them animate like his messy hair now, even though it's just like one. I love like, it. I kind of, I kind of, <laughs> honestly, I hope, I hope that his hair stays like that. He just leaves it like that. that like that little piece. <laughs> now that funny. he's a rebel, like that, like because because it's sort of that moment when he goes, "Oh, you have the heart of a rebel," and then Kels is like, "I'll take that as a compliment." I uh, yeah. I hope that like from now on to show that he is a rebel and that like he's sort of come out of his his uh, sort of fastidious uh, uptight character that that one piece yeah. of hair is just always kind of hanging down a little bit. That would be such a cool. <laughs> character Styling. thing for them to do to just show yeah. and it also he just looks so cool with it um and yeah, all know, beaten was, up and was, stuff it was so good when they showed him like that i was just like oh that is awesome that is so good. <laughs> yeah it was pretty cool i love that that part too um i'll continue at chopper bay's hair informs ezra kanan and the rebels leaders that they have uh received an urgent transmission from fulcrum the rebels receive fulcrum's warning that thrawn knows before the transmission cuts off when Kanan asks what this means, Ezra suggests that the Grand Admiral knows about the upcoming attack on Lothal. Ryder reports that most of the Imperial fleet has left the Lothal system. Hera realizes that Thrawn knows that they are on uh, Antalon and orders all ships to assume battle stations. When General Dodonna asks how they can be uh, certain, Ezra re- reveals that the last time this happened, the Empire ambushed them on Gorel. Meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, one of Commander Sato's crew reports that several Imperial Star Destroyers have entered the system. Sato orders Phoenix Fleet to assume defense formation Auric 1 and warns them to alert Rebel Command. When Ezra notices Ryder's abrupt exit, Hera realizes that the Empire is jamming their long-range transmissions. A couple of things here that I love, man, seeing five Star Destroyers exit hyperspace, and there's like, oh, information. snap, yeah. it's uh, information. Yeah. That was cool. But uh, here's another thing, too. Like, this is why Hera becomes, and we hear her, I, I believe in Rogue One, as they call for general. You know, we know she survives. She is really smart, and there's no um, no doubt doubt as to why she is kind of gaining uh, rank in this rebel structure. Yeah. And we haven't seen her a lot because she is doing more, and, and she's just smart. And she she's quick to this and realizes what's going on right away. You yeah. know, she knows from before, and it's like, hey, this is this is not good. We we are in some deep duty yeah. here and she is definitely right. So I, I kind of like that. Well, I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, when we come back in season four, she is general Sindula. Yeah. Yeah. could be. Yeah. Cause Sato's gone. Right. Like, like right, that's the yeah. thing is that they, with that, um, and Phoenix squadron gone, it's kind of like, I, uh, what's left of, of the Adelon rebels, and the Lothal rebels, they sort of they need new leadership, um, and uh, and Hera would be like sort of the next in line in that group. So so I, I would I can see them giving her a promotion. Um, now Sato was only a commander, so um, I don't know how that would work. But, but and mm. commander is kind of a weird title because like Luke was a commander as well. Because right, he right. was the leader of a squadron, right? Like he was the commander mm-hmm. of a squadron, um, and even like in this episode, um, I, I believe that Sato refers to Ezra as Commander Bridger. So, um, mm-hmm. because they kind of have teams that they lead, right? But I don't. I, I think that's from the beginning of the season, right? Sato was calling him Commander, but right. uh, 
So I don't know. I don't know how that works exactly. I'm not a military expert, as I've said on this and other podcasts in the past. And also, um, by the way, it's all made up in Star Wars. It's not, it's not right. real. So they <laughs> yeah. can just do whatever they want because it's it's yeah. make-believe pretend time. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, it's not a real military organization with an actual structure, kind of making it up as they go. But yeah. but yeah, I... I yeah, you do kind of see, especially in this episode, and they've been building towards it. You see Hera kind of coming into her leadership role and making hard decisions. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Just and, and the fact that you know Ryder is saying, "Hey, all these, all the ships that were here are gone," and it's yeah. like, like I said, she kind of realized what's going on. So, uh, go ahead, Michael, continue here. Yeah, Dodonna tells them to abort the mission while Hera orders an evacuation of all ground staff and issues a code K one zero alert. Which, uh, by the this is me interjecting uh, in the in the episode guide. It says that that's the same alert that uh, that's playing on Hoth base when Leia evacuates. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, gotcha. the Echo base. Um, General mm-hmm. Dodonna orders the fleet to jump into hyperspace and regroup at Rally Point Nova. When Commander Sato protests that they still have people on the surface, Dodonna replies that the Empire will cut them to pieces if they wait. Sato allows Dodonna's fleet to depart first and offers the, offers to cover them. One of the frigates jumps to hyperspace but is pulled out by an interdictor cruiser. Sato quickly realizes that the rebels are trapped. That was a cool scene, seeing that frigate yeah. try to jump, and then all of a sudden you see just like, everybody's like, whoa, what's going on? And it yeah. just gets kind of sucked back in, like, oh, wow, that was cool. And, uh, yeah, th- these guys are in trouble. Meanwhile, a crew member aboard the interior uh, an interdictor cruiser informs Admiral Constantine that the gravity wheels are engaged. Constantine orders the Imperial fleet's turbolasers to blast the rebel fleet. One Nebulon B frigate is destroyed just as Thrawn exits hyperspace aboard his command ship, the Chimera. When Governor Price asks Thrawn about Tarkin's orders to capture prisoners, Thrawn points out that General Dodonna is a courageous man and wouldn't have been on the first vessel to flee. Thus, he reasons that the ship's crew are irrelevant. A captive Callus is also uh, present, restrained by two death troopers. It's kind of interesting that he knows, you know, this is how smart Thrawn, and he, he knows that, that nobody important would have tried to escape uh, right away in the first, you know, the first one. So they were, he had no problem with um, them destroying that, that frigate. And then ultimately it was just yeah. uh, a regular crew. So, uh, uh, what's next, Mike? Where are we at here? So, oh, let's continue. Uh, yeah. Where are we? Oh, yeah. Thrawn contacts Thrawn. the rebel commanders via hologram with Hera and the Spectres uh, at Chopper Base's command center watching. Thrawn boasts that they are badly outnumbered and the, their rebellion ends today. Hera vows never to surrender, but Thrawn coolly counters that he is not ready to accept surrenders yet. He continues that he intends to teach them about failure before terminating the conversation. Studying the holographic battle order, Hera realizes that they are outnumbered, but vows to get get the rebel fleet to safety. And when Commander Sato asks how they should break the blockade, Hera replies that since Thrawn believes that this is the entire rebel fleet, she reasons that if they can make an opening big enough to get one ship through, they can call for reinforcements to attack the Imperial flanks. I think the fact that Thrawn, here's another point of Thrawn being that Cadigan, you know, he's not yeah. accepting surrender, right? He's, he wants to fight and he's been building up, you know, he's letting this rebels crew escape here and there and kind of getting his information. But 
now it's like he, he's like relishing this again. He's just like, all right, this is my time. We're going to fight. You guys are going to lose some people. I want to inflict some punishment. And then we'll talk about, you know, what we're going to do after that. We'll capture you and then we'll, we'll get down to, to what we're going to do with you. But, man, I just love the fact that he's ready. He's ready for blood, man. So yeah. uh, Sato thinks that the ghost has the best chance and vows to clear an opening for them. Herod doesn't plan to leave and tells Ezra and Kanan to take the late Darth Maul's gauntlet starfighter. Ezra and Kanan insist on staying, but Hera counters that uh, the two Jedi have the best chance of a su uh, success in escaping and getting help. Uh, Hera orders to accompany the Jedi. Before they can leave, Kanan tells Hera that he first has to warn someone in the wilderness. Hera refuses, um, refuses at first, but Kanan convinces her to trust him. She reluctantly assigns Ezra the mission, and Kanan wishes his Padawan good luck. Ezra wishes that the Force will be with himself. That, that was a funny line. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, you know, here's a, this is where it starts to get interesting. You know, Hera and, and Kanan, we see this relationship, and we haven't seen a lot of their kind of deeper relationship that much this season, if I remember right. And we're going to see a little bit here, and, and she's really starting to worry about what's going on here. I mean, this is big time. You know, they're in serious trouble, and she doesn't want you know Kanan to go too far away and we'll and yeah they have a nice little exchange later but uh i'll wait till we get there mike you want to uh what's next yeah uh it's sorry i'm just scrolling as the ghost departs with the gauntlet zeb asks rex if he has any regrets about joining the rebellion rex responds that it's better than hunting jupas despite mm -hmm. liking their taste in space commander sato orders phoenix home to launch its complement of y-wing starfighters against the imperial fleet he tells the fleet to assume spearhead formation and orders the frigates and corvettes to protect the transports. Here, I'm going to continue oh. going. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Aboard the Chimera, Thrawn realized that Sato is deploying a Danon strategy, something which he expects from the best commander to come out of the Mykapo system. Thrawn orders his fleet to reinforce the center and deploy their TIE fighters into the fray. He commands Admiral Constantine via hologram to keep his interdictor cruiser back until he orders otherwise. When Constantine questions Thrawn's decision, he counters that he has studied the Rebels' penchant for defying convention and doing the unexpected. Thrawn adds that they will be prepared as long as Constantine does exactly as he is told. When Callus tries to mock Thrawn for fighting over glory, the Grand Admiral counters that he is only interested in getting results. So this is... This is the key, right? This is really the undoing of, of the Empire here. Um, and mm -hmm. that is that um, Constantine is out for uh, glory, right? Yeah. And, uh, for Constantine, yeah. Yeah, oh, and, for sure. And, yeah. and he, they, they've been building this. This was a really slow burn over the course of the season. But Constantine's been slowly getting more and more fed up with, with Thrawn's very slow, methodical tactics. Right. And so he's kind of he's kind of looking at it like like we've got them. Right. And and it reminds me a lot of Admiral Ozzel, who is who is very much. Like, oh, yeah. Like yeah. Uh, we have a super star destroyer. What are we waiting for? And he comes in out of hyperspace too close to the system. Right. And so like it's it's a very similar sort of arrogance um, underestimating the, the rebellion. Right. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, Constantine's out. Like you said, he's out for Constantine at this point. Yeah. Uh, or coming up here in a minute. And and, and you're right. It's they, they just can't, you know, 
listen to what they're told to do. You know, it's just like they got to get in the fight and he wants to get in this fight so bad. Yeah. But he's told to wait and he just can't handle that. So it's, it's kind of interesting. And I'll tell you what, man, this animation during this blockade and this attack, man, is fantastic. I mean, so good. the explosion look, I mean, they talked about this on the recon about the explosions and how they tried to borrow from the movies and stuff. Man, it just looked fantastic. I love that. That in, in the recon, that was so cool to see that. And I think that we had kind of heard a little bit of that, that like they were trying to, to get as many of the effects as close as possible to the original trilogy. I didn't mm-hmm. know that that meant that they were actually using the assets from the original trilogy. Um, yeah. And when you go yeah. back and you, you think about um, one of the, the the first thing that really sold me on Rebels was the um, uh, what it was one of the the little videos. Uh, and I think it might have been the one about Hera and Chopper mm. where they they're taking out TIE fighters in the ghost. And and we see them. We see a couple of TIE fighters explode and it just reminded me so much of one of my favorite scenes in all of star Wars, which is the, uh, the, the, the tie fighter, like the death star escape when the millennium mm-hmm. Falcon blasts off and then Luke and Han are in the, 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 the gunner stations on the Falcon. And I, uh, the, I think the reason why it reminded me so much is because they were literally using the same explosions. And then when they show, <laughs> yeah. they, they, they tell you that in the recon and then they show you some of the clips and you see it and you go, Oh Wow those are actually yeah those are that's actually the photography from the original trilogy which is why it looks so good um yeah it's it's cool because you know you don't expect that in computer animation you think that like oh everything's been simulated right it's all effects but what they've really done is they've just sort of taken like that photography and then enhanced it with a few extra layers and then sort of they light the ship as it's exploding and it and it sort of sells the whole thing and i it's such a great way of marrying the two technologies and and i think it's unexpected for a lot of people i think a lot of people look at it and they go oh it's just a cartoon show it's all cartoon right and then And then you turn around and go, no, actually, there are practical effects on Star yeah. Wars Rebels. And it, and it just <laughs> yeah. goes to show, like, those practical effects are better than CG, hands down. They just are. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, as great as it can look in CG, those practical effects sell that stuff so well. It's why Rebels look so good in these sequences. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I know. It's I don't know. I don't watch a lot of – I actually, I don't watch any other, really, um, animated shows on TV except for this one. And – I, maybe you can help me out. I just don't know that there's any, I mean, I've seen, you know, I, I browse channels and I check things out, but I don't watch like I do with rebels. And I just don't know if there's anything out there that's doing what these guys are doing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, it's, it's just like light, light years above anything else that's going on in animation. Yeah. Right. Mike? I mean, it, yeah, I, def- yeah, definitely rebels is in a league of its own. It, it is, uh, approaching tell uh, film quality. Almost, in its, yeah, in its exactly. animation, right. and yeah. and you know, like so did the Clone Wars, right? Clone Wars, uh, oh, yeah. especially in the later seasons, in season four and five, um, and and six as well, like the the Lost Missions, um, it was definitely approaching uh, uh, film quality, like like any uh, sort mm-hmm. of the lower end uh, theatrical animated features, you know. But at the same time, you know, you kind of look at theatrical animated features and uh and where they're at now and it's like um 
uh, Moana would probably be the last one that I saw, I think. No, uh, Lego Batman is the last one that I saw. And oh, yeah. both of those examples show you that, like, what they're doing on TV is is so far from what they're doing in film. But that film, that TV has almost caught up with film from probably about five years ago. Um, mm-hmm. The only right. difference is in the quality of the actual animation itself. Um, the the models and the rendering and the effects are all there. But the difference with a movie like Moana or Lego Batman is that you have so much more time to get the facial animation or, you know, the movement or whatever down perfectly. They're under the gun on Rebels and they got to produce 22 episodes. Um, even though this is only the 19th episode, uh, if you actually count out all of the double episodes, uh, actually, yeah. is it 22 right. or 23? Cause I guess we're 22? at 19. Yeah. I, I think it's 22, but, um, mm. I'll figure out the math on that. But, uh, I, I, yeah, like, like, uh, it, you look at it and like, you know, the, it, it's similar to any kind of, um, television animation. You kind of reuse some stuff, you, you uh you cut some corners you do some oh, right. things True. um yeah. and rebels is a little bit more um stiff than anything you would expect to see in a film but they get their point across they get the job done and that's why yeah. whenever they do these space sequences it's always so great because like you don't have to worry about it all you have to worry about is the path that the fighter takes and then the right. explosions right like so so <laughs> they really sell the space battles because um, they they're using the same technology that they're using to make the movies, uh, right down to the fact that like the Corvettes or not the Corvettes, the Hammerhead. Well, yeah, they're mm-hmm. Hammerhead Corvettes in Rogue One. They started with the model from Star Wars Rebels, and they added on to it. Right, mm-hmm. like those are literally the models from Star Wars Rebels, just uh-huh. sort of like upresed and then with additional features and um and and better better textures obviously um because the textures in rebels are meant to look kind of like they're spray painted right um right sort of like that speckled paint look but uh that you don't want that in a film but but they did use the actual models and then i guess they also used one of the ships from this episode uh, there's there's some ship that was very briefly seen in Return of the Jedi as one of sort of the background ships that mm-hmm. they you, they built it for Rebels and then Rogue One borrowed that model to throw it into Rogue One. So right. it's cool. It's cool that they kind of do a little bit of that stuff and that that. But that's why the the space battles can look so so good. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's like you said, film quality there. Yeah. Uh, Continue on this in this battle here. Meanwhile, the Ghost and the Gauntlet travel with the Y-Wings of Green Squadron. Hera orders the A-Wings to keep their fighters busy and to clear a path for the Gauntlet. Green Squadron man- uh, manages to bomb a Star Destroyer with proton bombs, but they dive in for a second sortie. The Rebel fighters are taken out by TIE fighters. Meanwhile, Ezra and Chopper are traveling in the uh, Gauntlet when they see a Corvette go up in flames in front of them. Seeing the Rebel losses, Ezra hopes that Kanan is having better luck. So just, they're just kind of pointing out that there's a, you know, these small Corvettes are getting blasted and starting to kind of affect, you know, Ezra's seeing it, you know, Sato's seeing it. Everybody's starting to see it. It's like, man, we're taking some heavy losses and it's starting to get dire for them. So they just kind of for pointing sure. that out. Yeah. Uh, 
What's next, Mike? Uh, meanwhile, Kanan rides his speeder bike past several large rocks to the Krikna nest that is the haunt of, uh, of the Bendu. Uh, Bendu is angry with Kanan for bringing war to his quiet world and wishes to have no part in it. Kanan pleads with Bendu, but he counters that he is the one in the middle and takes no sides. When Kanan asks if he is leaving them to die and warns that the Empire will kill him, Bendu replies that he is beyond Kanan's worrying and wars. He is unseen, unknowable, like a rock in the river. When Bendu suggests that there was a reason why this world was so difficult for the rebels to find, Kanan responds that maybe they were meant to find Adalon, and him. Bendu questions for what purpose, pointing out that he predates Kanan and will still be here long afterwards. Kanan tries to reason with Bendu by telling him that he once tried to be in the middle and to ignore the galaxy. However, Kanan realized that he could not turn a blind eye to, the, to innocents being harmed around him. And some things are worth fighting for. So this is sort of, you know, I, uh, Bendu has sort of been, uh, I don't know, he's not getting involved, but he has also gotten very involved several times. So it's mm-hmm. one of those sort of contradictions. And I can understand Kanan's frustration here where he's like, you, you're yeah. powerful. I know you're powerful. You need to help us. And Bendu's kind of like, I don't really care. <laughs> like yeah. I don't care. I I could just hide from this. Like I'm, yeah. He he doesn't need to be a part of it. But uh, yeah. But, but Kanan Kanan's gonna push him, and it's gonna go a little differently than I think any of us were expecting. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's. It, I'm a little frustrated. I can. Uh, at uh, you say Kanan is frustrated. I think I am too with 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 the Bendu. Um, and I'll save. I don't know. I just. I don't know if I'm feeling the, the Bendu in this in this series. Um, I don't know if it's going too far for me uh, in this mystical realm. You know, I'm just not used to that thing in in, in Star Wars. I'm just growing up yeah. with just like the Force, and that's it. And, and this Bendu thing is starting to. I don't know. I don't. I just don't know if I like it yet. And I'll we'll talk about it more because it's obviously like you said, he plays a major part in the end here, and, and we'll talk about it more when we get there. Um, but I'll, I'll continue here though. Back in space. Uh, Hera tells her starfighters to keep the ties off their cruisers. Zeb growls there are too many ships to attack just as the two rebel cruisers explode nearby. As Thrawn's tie fighters inflict damage on the rebel ships, Commander Sato orders all ships to charge the blockade. During the charge, another Nebulon B frigate is destroyed. Dodonna watches the carnage with stunned horror while Sato learns about the destruction, uh, destruction of the uh, Orion. Thrawn orders his capital uh, ships to hold their position so that the rebel cruisers have to come to them. Aboard the gauntlet, Chopper uh, jabbers to Ezra that the Imperials are cutting them off. A second corvette goes up in flames with a stricken Y-wing crashes into a Star Destroyer's hull. Ezra tells Hera that he can't get through as long as the interdictor is cutting them off. As Sato listens over the intercom, Hera tells Ezra to stay sharp and bows to find an opening. So again, just more carnage, like I was saying earlier. I mean, you're just really showing you and showing the audience that man, it's getting desperate, and you see one ship after another kind of getting lit up, and man, there's just really nowhere to go. They are they yeah. are just really screwed, especially with the gravity wells. They can't jump. Uh, man, they're just in a bad spot. So I uh, let's get to uh, Sato's uh, point here, Micah. You want to take this one? Uh, yeah. Sorry, where are we right now? Ezra tells. Them. Okay, yeah, T- Ezra tells them to hurry up as Sato watches a third CR-90 Corvette explode. 
Sato tells Ezra to prepare to jump as he orders his crew to abandon ship and head for Adalon. Two of the bridge crew tell Sato they are staying and, and he orders them to man their stations. Sato then flies the Phoenix home toward the fleet. Uh, Zeb tells Hera and Sato that Hera that Sato is, is evacuating the carrier. Admiral Constantine is watching the scenario unfold and orders his interdictor cruiser to intercept the rebel command ship. When his subordinate points out that Grand Admiral Thrawn ordered them to stay in their position, Constantine angrily repeats his order and shouts that he will not be denied the glory of this kill. Constantine's interdictor cruiser breaks formation to intercept the Phoenix home. Thrawn orders Constantine to return to his assigned coordinates immediately, but Constantine remarks that he has had enough of the Grand Admiral's games. Uh, let's, I'll finish this yeah. and we'll talk about this. When Ezra asks Hera what uh, Sato is doing, she responds that he is drawing the interdictor cruiser out of formation and tells Ezra to get ready to jump. Meanwhile, Constantine orders his crew to engage the interdictor's gravity well projectors. Constantine smirks as Phoenix home comes under Imperial fire. Sato orders his crew to change course and ram the interdictor. Constantine orders his crew to take invasive action, but their carrier plows through the interdictor cruiser. Hera and Thrawn watch as the two ships go up in flames. Callus also watches with a mixture of shock and admiration in Commander Sato's sacrifice. At Hera's command, Ezra takes the gauntlet into hyperspace. When one of Thrawn's crew reports that the rebel ship has escaped, Thrawn hopes that Constantine's folly has not undermined his efforts. Thrawn orders his forces to press the attack and to force the remaining rebels to the ground. So here it is, guys. Um... We were debating who was going to go. I thought maybe it was yep. going to be Callus, but it was Sato. Man, he goes out kamikaze style. I mean, there is – you see this look on his face, and and you, he realizes it. And as, as you're watching it, you go, oh, he's realizing it, like what he has to do. And it was cool that he asked his, his crew, like, hey, you guys need to get out. I'm the captain of the ship. They always go down with the ship, right? And actually two of his crew members are like, no, no, we, we're going to stay with you. And it was kind of a cool little scene there. And – um, just the fact that that Con and here's Constantine. We talked about this. He wants this kill so bad. He's tired of being under Thrawn's command, and he wants to get the kill. But he doesn't realize that this is what the this is what rebels do. I mean, they sacrifice, and and they I guess they didn't see it coming. Like, yeah, no, they're not gonna they're not gonna sacrifice themselves just for one ship to get well, out. And sure enough, they do that. Man. Yeah, Constantine could never fathom that strategy because he would never yeah. do that, right like there, right. he would right. never sacrifice himself so right. why would he even consider that as a tactic um and i think like that's the key there um as to as to how he can <laughs> oh cl cl clearly your dog's got a got a, an opinion on this um yeah it, it, like that's that's sort of the thing about the Imperials is that they always underestimate the rebels because the rebels are willing to do things that an Imperial would never think of because an Imperial doesn't have to think about it. Cause here they've got five star destroyers and two interdictor cruisers. Um, and so like, why would they think about sacrificing themselves? Not in a million years. Right. Um, right. So yeah, I, I, and, and, and it was very poignant. It was a great, great scene. It was a great moment for Sato. Um, yeah, It'll be it'll be uh, interesting to see how his nephew responds to this the next time we see him, um, yeah, because uh, sure. what's it? Mart Matten. Mart uh, Matten, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mart Matten, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and the 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 other those other uh, my capo uh, rebels that that we mm-hmm. saw earlier this season. Um, yeah. yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Was that this season or was that last season? I believe it was this season. I think it was on. this was season. It? Oh yeah. wow! Not, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah. So is so I, I, just a great scene. Just really well done. Um, yeah, and very yeah, reminiscent no. of Rogue One. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and yeah, you're right. Exactly right. I mean, Constantine's lust for for getting this kill, man, it just overpowers him. And the, the, again, this animation of that ship just tearing through Constantine is like, wow, that was that was really cool to see that too. Um, but yeah, I think, and, and the funny thing too is, it, it's almost like everybody was kind of shocked, especially the Imperials. But Thrawn didn't seem like he was shocked at that. You know, like he goes like, well, okay, because of Constantine, this is what happens. You know, they probably wouldn't have done that, but it was a great plan. It drew out that ship they needed to get out uh, and they were able to get through. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if if Thrawn was that surprised that they would go kamikaze, but um, but it worked. So yeah, uh, I'll uh, continue. Tide destroy. Let's see where we at. Um, Ties uh, tide destroyed. Ties destroyed General Dodon's frigate Vanguard as Hera orders all remaining rebel forces to return to Chopper Base. A triumphant Thrawn and a defiant Kalos watch the rebels retreat. Back, in, back on Adalon, Kanan continues to reason with Bendu by telling him that his friends are dying. When Bendu replies that all things are fated to die, Kanan responds, not like this, crushed by overwhelming evil. Kanan pleads with Bendu to fight, but Bendu is adamant about not fighting in his petty battles. When Kanan accuses Bendu of cowardice, the Bendu enters into a rage and summons a storm. Before disappearing, he remarks that perhaps it is the will of the Force that all Jedi perish. Bendu vows to carry out the will of the Force before leaving Kanan alone. So here's here's the Bendu going, hey, maybe it's the will of the Force that the Jedi are supposed to die and you're supposed to die and everybody here. So uh, again, I'll, I'll talk about more of the uh, the Bendu when we get to it. Um, Mike, I'll do this one more, and then we'll, we'll talk about this clip here. Meanwhile, sure. in hyperspace, uh, Ezra petitions Mon Mothma to send reinforcements. However, Mothma is unable to do so because she fears they would play into Thrawn's hands, wiping out all that they had worked to build. Ezra cites that Thrawn planned all of this. Mothma admits that Senator Organa was right, that it was still too soon for open warfare with the Empire. She promises to, to negotiate fair treatment for the prisoners, but Ezra counters that Thrawn may not take any. Mothma uh, compliments Ezra for his courage and wishes the Force be with him. Senator, there must be someone you can send or something you can do. I wish I could help you, Commander Bridger, but I can't. Doing so would play into Thrawn's hands and he would wipe out all we've worked to build. I know. He planned this. Senator Organa was right. It was too soon for open warfare against the Empire. I promise you, we will do our best to negotiate fair treatment for the prisoners. What if there are no prisoners? I'm not ready to give up yet. You have courage, Ezra. May the Force be with you. No, we can't go... Not without help. And I think I know where to find you. Sabine. So, um, here we go. You know, he's he's asking for help. That's what he's supposed to do. Get out, get through that blockade, ask for help. But 
this is the problem here. It's like the main rebel fleet. They're like, wait, you know, we just we can't do it. We can't help you because yeah. we're not ready. We're just not ready. Even Organa says that, you know, he's like, man, it's too soon. We can't help this Phoenix squadron and, and Dodonna's squadron. They're going to have to fend for themselves because the whole rebel fleet could could be wiped out at this one moment, just one little tiny battle. So um, as as hard as it is for Mothma to do that, she has to tell him, like, I can't help you. We're going to have to stay back and, and, and regroup. So interesting. uh Interesting little scene there with Mothma and, and Ezra, and he finds out. Uh, well, I got another plan. Let's let's go see if we can get uh, if we can get Sabine back. So that was that was kind of interesting. That um, that's kind of where that second uh, first part ends. We're on to the second part, Mike. Uh, any comments before we head on? Well, I, it's, it's, it was interesting to bring Mon Mothma in so soon after introducing the character, just so that she could be like, "No, we're not going to help you." Um, so you're on your but, own. See ya. Yeah, but you have to you have to understand the desperation of Ezra as to like why he goes to Sabine, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it? Go ahead, Michael. Continue. Sure. Uh, back at Chopper Base, Harris studies a holographic projection of Thrawn's fleet and deduces that the Grand Admiral is preparing for an orbital bombardment. Zeb and Rex then inform Hera that they have done their best to fire up Sabine's modified deflector shield generators which they had never gotten to test. Rex fears it will overload, but Hera says they can only hope it doesn't happen. At Hera's orders, Zeb fires up the prototype shield generator, which forms a barrier that envelops Chopper Base. She contacts Kanan, who is traveling back on his speeder bike, to warn him that Thrawn is preparing to launch an orbital bombardment and pleads with him to travel faster. Um, yeah, so uh, like we're we're like ratcheting up the intensity, right? It's, it's yeah, like, this is worse. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, this rickety old generator, and it's really cool. <laughs> I think one of the yeah. best things about this season is kind of looking at all of the things that happened out throughout the course of the season that were kind of like just these small bits that it was kind of like, well, it's not that doesn't seem that important. It's like, well, they steal the Y wings at the beginning of the season, and then I, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, when they're on Geonosis, they get the shield generator and. And, uh, you know, uh, Sabine leaving and, and all of that. And it's like, and the, the stuff with the Mandalorians, <clears throat> um, Darth Maul's starfighter, right? Like them having the gauntlet in order to, uh, for, so that they have another, uh, uh, ship to take for, for, uh, Ezra to take on his own, right? There's all these little things that That's sort of build point, up. Yeah. To, and then all kind of come together in these last two episodes. I thought that was really cool, the way that they yeah. pulled that off. That is a, that's a great point. I never even thought about it until you just said it. You, that makes total sense, and that is an awesome. And like you said, generators, Y-wings, you know, mall ship. I mean, yeah, it all makes yeah. total sense because they're using them all right now. They have to because this is Yeah, they have to pull out everything it. just to yeah. survive, right? That's that's a great insight there. Um uh, in space, Governor Price informs Thrawn that their capital ships are in position and that the blockade is secured. When Thrawn asks about the rebel ships, she reports that the remaining vessels have fled back to the surface and are sheltering under a localized shield generator. Thrawn decides to test their metal and commences an orbital bombardment. The Chimera and her sister ships unleash a wave of cannon fire on Chopper Base. Hera tells Kanan to find and uh, to find cover and his speeder narrowly dodges several turbo laser blasts the imperial bombardment begins to fry the shield generator as zeb tells it to but uh tells it not to budge kanan 
speeder bike is destroyed by the bombardment while Rex reports that the shields are overheating. Thrawn, Price, and the captive Callus watch as the bombardment continues. Thrawn thinks the rebels have had enough and orders the fleet to cease uh, bombardment. Zeb thinks the shields have uh, shields have held up and begins cheering, not realizing that Thrawn was testing them. Hera contacts Kanan, who observes that Thrawn was trying and not trying to kill them this time. Hera pleads for a love to come home, and as Kanan watches the storm clouds gathering over Chopper Base, so this is it, man. This is Star Destroyers. Five Star Destroyers are firing on the shield. Rebels have no chance. I mean, this shield is not going to hold. Then Thrawn says, uh, they've had enough, and he stops it. I mean, he has the opportunity right here to just blast them. You know, as long as you keep that that the firing going, I mean, it ultimately he's going to tear down the shield. It's going to kill everybody, and he's fine. But no, he wants to stop. He wants to go down there and face them and fight them uh, on the ground. And again, another one of these flaws of the Empire and some of these guys that are in this Empire that – their lust and they're just they crave this you know they have to go down there and they have to see the fear in the eyes and stuff like that you know so this is again part where Thrawn um, makes a mistake he makes a mistake here I mean he could have just blew him out of the sky there and hey I couldn't get any survivors oh well at least they're gone right no he wants to try and, and again he does want to try to get some survivors I get that or some prisoners yeah. but Oh, it would have been so easy just to, to blow this thing away. So, uh, any thoughts, Mike, before we continue? No, no. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, where are we? Are we in the meanwhile? Meanwhile, yep. Ezra? Yeah, meanwhile, Ezra and Chopper take the gauntlet into the planet Crow Nest's atmosphere. Their, their ship is escorted by two Fang fighters, which give him permission to land at the Ren Stronghold's hangar. In the throne room, Ezra and Chopper are greeted by Sabine, Fen Rao, and Ursa Ren. Sabine asks Ezra why they have come. Chopper tells Sabine they have escaped while Ezra adds that Thrawn ambushed them on Adalon. He pleads with Clan Wren to help. However, Rao tells him that they have come at a bad time. Ursa informs the rebels that Clan Wren is locked in a civil war against Clan Saxon, which is backed by the Empire. Clan Wren's forces are stretched to the limit defending what ground they have. Still, Ezra, uh, sorry, still Ezra pleads with Ursa to hear him out. Uh, again, well, not again, but I just want to say, okay, Sabine's back, and I know this was supposed to be a like a moment, but it kind of wasn't because she's back so fast. Like we didn't yeah. have a chance to even, you know, she wasn't even gone what, a couple epi- episodes or whatever. So yeah. I think this would have had a much bigger impact had this been, you know, back. B- when the season started, I know it probably wouldn't have worked out as far as timeline wise, but um, it just would have had a bigger impact if it was earlier on in the season. If we lost Sabine seven, eight episodes ago and we didn't know she was coming back and this would have been had a really powerful impact. But again, um, it was still cool, but it just didn't have the impact. I think it could have had, had we had more time away. So uh, above Adelon, Thrawn assigns governor price command of the fleet uh, while he leads the ground assault. Callus laughs and taunts that the rebels know how to pull a victory from certain defeat. Thrawn counters that he and Callus are not the same, as the rebels are about to learn. At the Rebel Command Center, Zeb reports that the shield generator has taken a beating and doubts that it will withstand another assault. But Hera believes that Thrawn will send ground forces to do his dirty work. 
Studying the battle plan, General Dodonna theorizes that Thrawn will launch an attack on the path through a narrow canyon. Rex advocates guarding the, uh, the approaches. Hera agrees to Rex and Dodonna's plan and tasks Rex with leading a squad to guard the pass. AP-5 then reports that scanners have picked up Imperial transports on the Western Quadrant. This is Thrawn's first wave. I think the one thing I just took out of this is it's in this is that Callus says, "Hey, you know, you don't necessarily know how resourceful these rebels are. I know because I've tried to beat these guys so many times, and uh, they keep, you know, they keep coming back on me." So I just thought that was a cool line from him. But Thrawn does, dismisses it. But we all know, like, hey, don't underestimate them. So I thought that was kind of funny to to For hear sure. him say that. Yeah, go ahead. Man. Uh, back on Crow's Nest, the Rebels and Clan Wren study a holographic projection of the Imperial fleet above Adelon. Sabine finds that the Imperials have a second interdictor cruiser uh, that, that is preventing the remaining Rebel ships from escaping. Rav suggests that Ezra c- should count his losses and be fortunate to escape. Ezra responds that his friends are trapped and that they need help. Tristan Wren apologizes that Clan Wren lacks the resources to help them since they can barely take care of their own. Ezra responds that he is ready to leave if the Mandalorians are unable to provide assistance. Chopper beeps in agreement, and Ezra bids Sabine goodbye, but Sabine insists on coming with them. When Tristan points out that Ezra's mission is impossible, she counters that she never imagined being reunited with her family and seeing Clan Wren free from Saxon's grip either. But her friends make the impossible possible. If Ezra thinks they can make a difference, she thinks they can win. Ursa adds that Bridger and his friends restored her daughter to her, and that is a debt that has to be repaid. While Ursa can't leave Clan Wren undefended, she allows Sabine to take a few ships and any warriors willing to follow her. Sabine thanks her mother. When Rao points out that they don't have much of an army, Sabine has Chopper bring up a holographic display of the second interdictor cruiser and says that they don't need an army. Oh, sorry. Um, I'm going I'm to do this one and we'll talk yeah. about it. Back on Adelon, Zeb and Rex wait in the pass for Thrawn's ground forces. In hopes that Rex's plan will slow them down, uh, in, in hopes of the plan will slow them down. Using their micro binoculars, Rex and Zeb spot a column of ATDP walkers. The rebels ignite the detonators, which is destroy five of the walkers, and uh, Zeb destroys the last one with his rocket launcher. However, Thrawn is studying the battle from a shuttle and deduces that the rebels have exposed their meager defenses. He orders his snipers to target the enemy mines and the heavy walkers to advance. Zeb and Rex try to detonate the remaining explosives, but they find that the AT adats are too strong and advance through the shield. The walkers begin blasting the rebels just as the A-wings launch their attack. After clearing the mines, stormtroopers charge into the fray. Left one for you. They've revealed their meager defenses. Now we will crush them. Mark enemy mines and firing positions. Heavy battalions, advance. I know that sound. Yeah, and I hate that sound. Lousy four legus. Hit him with the detonator. So, um, what man? Hold on one second. Yeah, here's the thing, Mike, about about Thrawn and 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 kind of the Empire is, 
I guess one of the major reasons that I see why the Empire is successful is that they and Thrawn are willing to sacrifice, you know, ships and men um, just to get information. Just You know, this is Thrawn's M.O., right? He's like, I'm going to let you have a little defeat, mm-hmm. get, gain some information, and then here you go. Or I'm going to throw these little things out there. You're going to waste some time. You're going to waste energy, waste ammo. Um, resources and to deal with that and then here comes you know my main attack and i think that's just that's just the way he works um and it works all the time on them it doesn't seem like they were prepared for that and uh again thrawn showing how why he's so why he's so good you know he doesn't take these rebels lightly and again he's able to uh or he's willing to sacrifice uh, a lot of stuff just to get gain some info and to get the upper hand. So, did you want to make any? Do you want to have any comments as far as Sabine and the family? Um, you know, kind of saying, "Hey, we we saw that coming." Obviously, no, yeah, but, yeah, um, obviously, it kind of had to yeah. go that way, right? Yeah. Sure. So, I, other than that, anything else before we continue? No, no. Uh, actually, you want to take this one? Yeah. Uh, in the air, okay. Wedge tells Javi to follow him in his A-wing. However, Thrawn orders his air groups to clear the sky of the annoyance. TIE Fighters attack the Rebel A-Wings and drive them away. Meanwhile, Rex and Zeb play cat and mouse with an AT-AT. Or AT-AT, or Imperial Walker, whatever you want to say. It's okay with me. Uh, (laughs) Kanan reunites with them, using his lightsaber to slash through the two right legs of the Walker, toppling it and creating a dust storm that blinds two approaching stormtroopers. Zeb is glad that Kanan could join them, and asks if he's bringing help. Kanan isn't quite sure. The rebels head into a cave just as Thrawn's shuttle lands outside. Thrawn and six death troopers disembark and advance into the cave. Thrawn orders the armored division to destroy any rebel ship attempting to flee Chopper Base and to debark all ground troops to storm the base and capture any rebel officers if possible. Rebel troops exchange fire with Thrawn's stormtroopers while Hera tells General Dodonna to prepare the remaining ships for takeoff. When Dodonna asks about the blockade, Hera responds that she is willing to die aboard the coast. So, like, mm. we, like they are running out of hope, right? Yeah. And uh, right. they're not quite sure. Because I think, like, at this point, I, I, the gauntlet hasn't hasn't arrived, right? Yeah. So they don't know that help's on the way. Um, right. Yeah. And a great scene, a great scene with Kanan. I mean, this is what I want to see. Like, <laughs> yeah. Him slicing through those AT-ATs. I mean, man, that was, that they, was awesome. They, I was, they took yeah. out they took out the, the ATDP with the rocket launcher, and I was like, yeah, no big deal. And then you hear the sound, and it's like, and, and everybody, like they remark in the episode, it's like, oh, I know that sound. I hate that sound. <laughs> it's like, it's so <laughs> yeah. iconic. We know that those are Imperial walkers, right? Um, that those yeah. are AT-ATs, the heavy walkers. Yeah. And uh, and they they advance and and they use the 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 detonators and it doesn't really do anything and then they're firing at it with their hand blasters and I and I said to Crystal, I was like, oh, those are not gonna work, like the blasters on a snowspeeder don't work on walkers. Like, what? <laughs> there's only really yeah. one thing right now that they've got that can that can deal with this. And as I was saying that. Kanan comes like flying yeah. out of nowhere <laughs> nice. and just chops through the legs. And I was like, see, I told you <laughs> that's what they needed. They needed a Jedi, but yeah, uh, yeah it's so good. That's why Kanan's the best. Kanan yeah. is so great. Yeah, definitely. That was, a, that was a great scene. Uh, meanwhile, Ezra's gauntlet ship and the Fang fighters exit hyperspace behind the Imperial fleet. 
Ezra tells Chopper to jam the Imperial transmissions while Fenral orders the Mandalorian fighters to engage, uh, to gain strong ships. Aboard the Chimera, Governor Price recognizes the Mandalorian ships as Sabine's forces and sends TIE fighters to intercept them. Amidst the dogfight, the Gauntlet ship approaches the interdictor cruiser and Ezra tells Chopper to uh, contact Hera. Meanwhile, Kanan, Zeb, and Rex arrive just as Thrawn's walkers begin destroying Chopper base. When Hera asks about his friend, Kanan tells her not to worry because Bendu should be coming. Ezra contacts Hera to uh, to tell her that he's brought help and that they'll take out the interdictor. Kanan thinks this may be their only chance and orders the rebels to evacuate. And, you know, just before this, too, we got that scene with Hera and Kanan, and she calls him love. And, again, like I said, we haven't seen them interact much this season. Yeah. And it's just kind of reinforcing that, again, we, I know I think we're on the same page that we think that that they are definitely a couple. Not that yeah. it really means anything, but I just think it's cool that, that they have that. Uh, it's not just about the family and, and the rebels. It's also about these two. And they care about each other, and uh, they're worried about each other. So I just, I kind of like that. It does, like I said, it doesn't really make much of a difference in the story, but I just kind of like it. So yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, let's see, where are we at? What's next, Mike? Uh, Cannon's orders are timely as the okay. shield generator explodes. Right, that's where we are. Right. Yeah. Uh, did I skip something? No. I think. Yeah. Oh, did I? Okay. I, yeah, I uh, did. Oh, yeah, I did. Back in space, Ezra's gone. Ship. Starship is pursued by Ties. Hera, he tries to contact Hera, but hears no response. Sabine tells Ezra to focus on their job while Hera gets the others out. Chopper sets a course for the second interdictor cruiser. Using deployment racks, Ezra, Sabine, and several Mandalorian warriors, as well as Ezra equipped with an old Republic spacesuit, jump on the interdictor's hull. Sabine orders the Mandalorians to blow up the gravity wells and be ready to activate their jetpacks. A comms officer informs Governor Price that the enemy has deployed a strike force onto the hull of the interdictor. A captive Callus watches while Price orders her forces to repel the rabble. The Mandalorians fire their blasters at the gravity wells, but the Empire sends jump troopers to cut them off. I just thought it was really cool that you can kind of see the conversation that they had when they were like, well, what's Ezra going to do? He's yeah. like, well, we'll put him in a spacesuit. <laughs> It's like, okay, well, let's use the spacesuit. Like, we can just reuse the spacesuit from, what is that? I think it's, like, season three of Clone Wars. Clone Wars, yeah. Um, and somebody went, yeah, well, if we're just going to reuse the spacesuit, we might as well keep the same deco on it. And so it's got, <laughs> if you look yeah. really cl- carefully, it has the Republic cog on the shoulder. So you might be, like, you'd be forgiven for thinking that, like, oh, why does he have an Imperial spacesuit? But that's not what it is. And you, you could imagine that, like, oh, maybe maybe Maul stole it at some point because, you know, he infiltrates that one uh, Republic space station. And, you know, maybe he stole a spacesuit while they were there and they took it onto the ship. And so maybe it was on the gauntlet, you know, for the last 20 years. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, actually, it, <laughs> the, the other thing is that they renamed it the gauntlet. They refer to it as the gauntlet several times in this in these two episodes. Um, but it's actually called the Night Brother. Um, and right. They, they right. like renamed it the gauntlet because it is it's a gauntlet starfighter, but um, or gauntlet starship. I don't know if it's classified as a starfighter. It's a little bit big, but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I just thought that those were interesting things. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Kanan orders uh, orders are timely as the shield generator explodes. With Sabine and Ezra back, he jokes about the rebels being a family again. 
They head towards the airfield as the other rebel ships begin taking off. One of the adats shoots down a transport, which crashes and burns under the tarmac. The rebels find themselves surrounded by Thrawn and his death troopers, who confront Captain Syndulla and demand her surrender or he will execute her friends, beginning with the Jedi. Kanan draws his lightsaber in response. Thrawn's troops form a circle around the rebels as he uh, reiterates his demand. Hera tells him that he already knows the answer as storm clouds envelop Chopper base. Thrawn thinks Kanan is afraid of the storm, but the uh, blind Jedi replies that he should be afraid too. Just then, a bolt of lightning narrowly misses the Grand Admiral. Kanan tells everyone to hang on to something. Bendu's glowing eyes appear in the clouds, announcing his presence. When Zeb and Hera demand to know what is happening, Kanan replies that his friend has come. Bendo bellows that he brings death, destroying two Adats with bolts of lightning. Thrawn and his men turn to flee while the rebels make their escape aboard the ghost. So he got he has him. Thrawn has him right here, yeah. dead to rights. Man, he's got him. It's it's over, right? And then here comes the Bendu and in a cloud with a couple of eyes. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just not feeling it, Mike. I don't know what you think. Personally, I, you I know just what? I just don't feel it, man. I yeah. don't know what they're doing. Dude, I'm right there I'm with you. It. it gets to be a little bit much. Um and yeah. it, it gets it gets too much. It kind of goes into some silly territory, um, and it's a little bit Deus Ex Machina, right? It's kind of like, oh, well, yeah. they're just gonna like now the Bendu has godlike powers, right? And yeah, um, it's just a little bit too Indiana Jones for my taste. Uh, it, yeah. Within a Star Wars story, obviously, because you know, like I'm right. all for Indiana Jones, but yeah, it's it's a little out of place here, for sure. Yeah, yeah. For, I, I, okay, I, I, I guess. I got it. My, I'm thinking to myself, am I being too hard on this? And it's just like for me, being a fan of Star Wars for so long, and just yeah. it, this is just going at, at a place where I just don't, I don't know, man. I, I just, I don't know if I don't get it um, or what, but it just didn't work for me. And and I mean, I get it. He's n- he's not the light or dark, so he's actually destroying not only Imperial stuff, but he's he's hitting a couple rebel ships too. He's basically, you know, he just tearing up everybody just like you said you know um yeah. but it's just um uh, it's like i think george lucas left actually the whole point of the bendu was the jedi wasn't it I, and and they kind of created this character that was the light and the dark and it's just like i don't we don't need that you know it's star wars for me is just give me the light and the dark the sith right at this point at this point yeah. of the of the arc it's it's the sith and the jedi and and they can handle it and we don't need to go into this Ghostbuster territory and, and <laughs> Zool yeah. and all this kind of stuff, you know, I just, I just didn't work for me. So, and that's just me, it, you know, I'm, we're just a couple fans here giving our opinion. And uh, for me, it just didn't work. So um, actually it keeps going here, but I go ahead and continue with the, uh, is it my turn actually? Uh, no, what it's we? me. Uh, Bendu okay, tells okay. the rebels and Thrawn to leave this place, striking one of Thrawn's death troopers with lightning. Kanan and the other rebels take off on the ghost and join the remaining rebel ships. Bendu calls out to Kanan and strikes the ghost with lightning. When Hera asks if this is his friend, he admits he may have made Bendu a little angry. Hera replies that she can relate. The Bendu strikes down one of the rebel A-wings as the convoy flees into space. Back on the surface, Thrawn orders his troops to concentrate fire on the center of the storm. The Adats begin firing at the at the eyes in the clouds. The Bendu manages to strike down one of the walkers before before falling out of the clouds. This is where like it kind of just um, it th- there's something about 
the 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 force and the mystery of the force and that sort of thing and its capabilities they you know we've had a few episodes of the clone wars that have explored it we've even had a, a little bit of stuff in rebels that has that has sort of hinted at it with uh with um the jedi temple stuff mm-hmm. that we saw yeah. in season two um and obviously season season uh three of the clone wars with the uh, with the mortis trilogy as well as um i in the the lost episodes when yoda goes to dagobah and then sort of travels to the center of the galaxy and meets those those five uh, uh spirit things and tr- you know sees the future and blah 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 um yeah we've gotten a little bit of it but i think the biggest thing is that those those moments have been self-contained right the Mortis, right. the things that happened on Mortis were just for those three characters, and and they don't really talk about it. Like nobody else really even knows about it. Um, and then the stuff with Yoda, it's like obviously he keeps that to himself because that's right, right before Revenge of the Sith, right? Uh, um, right. And so like that stuff, it's it's kind of separate. But in this instance, it's like, well, Bendu is fighting Kanan, and he's also fighting Thrawn, and then Thrawn and the walkers, like, fire at Bendu, and, and, like, he's become a cloud, but then shooting at his eyes, you know, I guess, like, maybe he is up in the clouds, and the clouds are just around him or something like that. I don't know. It was kind of... It was a bit of a stretch for me, but but... In the midst of everything else that was happening, I kind of forgave it because I was like, well, whatever. There's other stuff going yeah. on, right? Yeah. But yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. Um, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll continue um, yeah. and we'll see where I missed out where uh, I was Back now. in space. Back in space, Ezra, Sabine, and the Mandalorians clash with Imperial jump troopers. Hera contacts Ezra and tells him they are heading for the blockade. As a response, they're working on the situation while Mandalorian fang fighters destroy two ties uh, at him. Ezra and the Mandalorians succeed in blowing up the gravity wells and escape aboard the gauntlet before the interdictor cruiser explodes. Witnessing the cruiser's demise, Price is livid. Callus takes the opportunity to taunt her for making a mess of Thrawn's fleet. Enraged, Price orders her crew to throw Callus out of the airlock. The tomb uh, stormtroopers take Callus down a turbo lift. Meanwhile, Hera leads the remaining rebel ships toward the Imperial blockade. Ezra tells her that they took out the second interdictor and to meet him at point eight seven. So, uh, actually, this is the point where uh, I guess it's coming up where Kallus actually gets out. It's a, it's a, it's actually cool. We don't see it, but uh, he makes it out. So, yeah. Uh, let's finish up these last two, Mike, and we'll, sure. we'll talk about it here. Yeah, back aboard the Chimera, Callus manages to free himself and his stormtrooper captors uh, from sorry from his stormtrooper captors in the turbo lift and heads for an escape pod. He transmits his coordinates to the crew of the Ghost. Hera sees the escape pod on her scope and picks it up. After catching up with Ezra's ship, the rebels break past the Imperial blockade while an unhappy Price watches. Callus, Rex, and Dodonna join the Spectres at the helm of the Ghost as what remains of the Rebel fleet jumps into hyperspace. I'm just gonna finish it. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Back on Adalon, Thrawn and his stormtroopers surround the fallen Bendu. When Thrawn asks Bendu what manner of creature he is, the enigmatic being replies that he is one beyond Thrawn's power to destroy. Thrawn disagrees, and the Bendu prophesies that he foresees Thrawn's defeat as many arms surrounding him in a cold embrace. 
Undaunted by this, Thrawn personally fires at Bendu with his blaster, but the powerful force wielder disappears before that can happen, his laughter echoing around Thrawn and his garrison. In space, the ghost travels with the tattered rebel fleet. Via hologram, Ursa apologizes for the rebels' losses, but Hera thanks Clan Ren for, for offering help in their time of need. Sabine tells Hera that she wants, to, wants them to return the favor because her mother needs their help. As medics treat the wounded, Callus thanks Kanan for taking him in. The Jedi returns the favor by thanking Callus for risking everything and pats him on the shoulder. Kanan heads to the rear turret and thanks Ezra for helping Sabine to save the day. When Ezra points out that they lost everything, Kanan shows empathy but adds that he has learned to see defeat differently. Kanan is determined to fight for a future where they are, where they are all free but that it is up to them to make it happen. And the rebel fleet jumps into hyperspace. What manner of creature are you? One beyond your power to destroy. It would not seem so. You cannot see. But I can. What? What do you see? I see your defeat, like many arms surrounding you in a cold embrace. I'm sorry for your losses. We are just grateful for your aid in our time of need. I want to return the favor, Hera. My mother needs our help. Go. But I can't come with you. I have to get our survivors to Rebel Command. Thank you for taking me in. Thank you for risking everything. You and Sabine really saved the day. But Kanan, we lost everything. I understand you feel defeated, but I've learned to see things differently. There's a future for us, one where we're all free. But it's up to us to make it happen. I, I kind of love the shot we get, Mike, of us as Kanan. We kind of get his point of view as he's walking through the crew, and he's kind of addressing each person as he goes through, and, you know, thank you for this and this, and uh, that was a kind of a nice little scene, a nice little way to end it um, and to give us some hope. You know, it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Rogue One and and, and that kind of hope, too. And um, I just thought it was kind of cool the way they did that. And and here's the thing, too, like um, where do we like it's, it's, you kind of left with like, OK, where do we go from here? I mean, you just mm -hmm. kind of been devastated. Um, they have to regroup. They talked about going to. Um, uh, a Yavin. So it's like, okay, so where the heck is Dantooine in this, in this particular point? I mean, I, I'm assuming they're using Dantooine right now, maybe as a smaller base, but they're talking about going to Yavin, regrouping, um, and kind of starting again. So again, thought it was a cool ending. Uh, I love to see that Callus made it. Uh, I love that. I, I just love that character now. And I'm so glad that he's on the rebels now. I can't wait to see what they do with him. Um, and to see kind of the, the hope that Kanan's trying to spread to this crew. 
And I, so I thought it was a cool ending. You know, I, I thought it was a yeah, good episode. Sure. I, it didn't blow me away or anything. I mean, it, it's so hard to to live up to what they did in season two and that ending with Twilight of the Apprentice. I mean, how are you going to top a, a, a finale like that? It's just crazy. So, but I thought it was a, a solid episode. Um, nothing, like I said, nothing that just kind of blew me away, but some great moments in it, much like this whole season has been for me, a lot of great moments in, in these good episodes. What did you think of this ending, Mike? Yeah, for sure. I, 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 I mean, like I'm, I'm happy to see that everybody's intact more or less. Um, Definitely not as earth shattering as uh, as as last season, or even the season before that. I think um, it was kind of an inevitability, right? So a lot of these characters had to kind of like Sato had to go at some point, and uh, and Adelon yeah. had to go at some point. So um, I do, I am appreciative that that we're done with the Bendu. Um, I feel like yeah. from a storytelling perspective, he was that. a little bit yeah. of a crutch. Mm-hmm. Cause they kept going back to it, uh, as like sort of this, uh, like, Oh, well, we'll just go to the Bendu. We'll just ask the Bendu. Like, Oh, I'll just contact the Bendu. Right. Um, and, and so it got to be like, there was a couple, it was a couple times too many. So, um, leaving that behind, I think is good. Um, and I think we're getting very close to a new hope and, and this just pushes us a little bit closer. Um, great great space battles which i uh, i don't know what else you can ask for in star yeah. wars you know um i if, if i can if i take away one thing from rogue one it is definitely the space battles and it's the same with this season of star wars rebels that you know there might be a lot of stuff that that i question and that i disagree with um in terms of the way that they told some of these stories and the pacing with which they did so but uh, one thing that that I can say that they did better this season than they've ever done before was these space battles were awesome. They were yeah, incredible. Sure. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I just have to say, for all that praise that I just gave it, I am super disappointed in this finale because I really thought we were going to get to see some X-Wings finally. And, oh, uh, yeah. And we didn't. <laughs> but yeah. uh, my hope, my real, real hope is that we get to see Blue Squadron from Rogue One, um, and that we get to see them before the events of Rogue One, because we don't see cause they're obviously not part of the Battle of Yavin, because Blue Squadron goes into the Shield right with uh, the sort of that second group with the with the 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 two U wings and uh, to to sort of reinforce Jin and the Rebels. Um, and the, the rest of the, uh, the, the, uh, the rogue one team. So, um, blue squadron doesn't make it out. They're all, they're all kind of wiped out before, mm-hmm. before they can, before anything else can happen. So, um, so they're not there. So the only way for them to get more glory than they got in rogue one is to go back in time and tell some stories from before they all died. And, uh, and I think it would be really cool to see, um, to see the U-Wings and X-Wings in mm-hmm. Star Wars Rebels. I think that would be really great. But oh, for sure. We'll yeah. see. We'll see in Season 4. I'm sure Season 4 holds a lot. Um, let's hope it holds more than Season 3 did because Season 3 kind of had, you know, it, it yeah. had great moments, yeah. but it had a lot. It, yeah. it, it was yeah. a lot more disappointment than it was excitement, in my opinion. Yeah, again, like I said, I – 
I thought it was a, a good finale. I didn't think it was anywhere close to season two's finale. Um, yeah. It's just the stuff that was coming out of it was just crazy. And, and I don't even know, like, the Twin Suns episode. I mean, I love that last half of that episode so much. And, uh, again, this was a big battle, and we lost Sato and, and all that, but it just didn't have the weight of a finale like that we've seen. And, again, this is – I mean, that's it is kind of unfair – to, to say that because of what we got in last season was just so amazing yeah. with Vader and Ahsoka. I mean, how are you going to top that? So, but again, like I said, this, this episode, like the whole season just had some, some good episodes with some great moments in it. And that's, that's like the best way I can. So, but, hey, how, okay. What is this though? Real quick before we finish up. Um, what do you think about the many arms surrounding him in a cold embrace as far as Thrawn? Do you think, obviously the Bendu is seeing, uh, the future and through the force and he's seeing that Thrawn's going to go out. It sounds like, um, I, it sounds like there's some kind of tease there on how he might go. Any thoughts on that or, or you yeah. just think he's going to go? Uh, I, I, I think that, that he's going to be, be the Borgullet. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Many it's going to be the Borgullet, <laughs> but, uh, I do think it's going to be, um, sort of that many arms in a cold embrace is going to be uh, some sort of like, like, uh, you know, he's going to get like torn apart by, by, I don't know, like maybe the people who are in say enslaved on Lothal or, mm. you know, oh, some, yeah. something like that. Um, Somebody's, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it might also be, um, you know, the, the vacuum of space could be considered mm. a cold embrace. So th- there's a lot to, to leave open to interpretation there. Yeah, uh, pretty wide open, right? We're going to see. We'll see next next season for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess that's uh, that's it. Let's uh, let's quickly hit the mailbag. um, Yeah, sure. Real quick. Okay. What message? The Rebels Podcast. No lot to Kanja Club. Mailbag. The council is asking you. So we got a good one here. Sorry. Uh, We got uh, Bob, Bob Willicky, who's been great about um, sharing his thoughts on the page and we encourage everybody to do that because we're going to, we'll come back in a few weeks and talk about what's c- coming out of um, celebration and, and some other rebels news. Yeah, but uh, sure. he writes in, he says, all right, season finale, pour the hot popcorn ready. And okay, guys, really solid episode. Get tired of saying solid, but that's the best I can do. Number two uh, episode highlights, Hera calling Kane in love, the Bendu, AKA I am Groot kicking the Imperial crap out of Thrawn. And that's the list. Don't get me wrong. This was a good episode, but for me ultimately failed to deliver where it needed the most specifically in terms of sacrifice. Granted, nice sacrifice for the cause for commander Sato, but really is that the best we can do? I don't want to sound macabre, but I really felt they needed to dial up the stakes and Sato just didn't cut it. We needed to lose a more integral character to feel a sense of what we were fighting for and what can be lost. I was almost, almost hoping to see Rex or even Callus lose the fight for the greater glory of the rebellion. As it stands, it just seems that whatever happens, everything will be fine. Looking forward to your thoughts. Great show as always. So, real quick, um, yeah, the Kanan thing I mentioned that earlier about just the connection between him and, and Hera. I loved getting that reminder yeah. that those two are still uh, still tight. Um, the Bendu, we talked about the Bendu. Um we're just we're just not feeling it, and yeah, like you said, Mike. I think it's nice that we can kind of put that section to rest, and and hopefully we won't have to deal with that anymore. Um, but he's 
I guess the sacrifice thing is the big one. Of course, we got Commander Sato. Mm-hmm. But again, I thought we could be losing Kalos because he's a character that now I'm glad we kind of we didn't. But he was one of those characters where he was a, he was a, he was with the Empire, and I think to show like his ultimate. Um, his ultimate uh what's the word i'm looking for like loyalty to the to the rebellion like maybe he would have sacrificed himself to show finally kind of redeem himself in his own eyes and in, in the eyes of the rebels too that didn't happen yet you know we don't know what's going to happen next season but i think that would have been a good one uh, but again i'm kind of glad he's still here because he's a cool character um yeah. mike any thoughts on what he's saying here what bob's saying yeah i don't know i i i I like the character of Sato. I, I, I think that his sacrifice was earned and, uh, and definitely, um, it definitely hit me. Like I thought, I thought that it was really great. I thought he was the right character to go at this time. Um, I don't want to lose any of the, the Lothal rebels, any of our ghost crew just yet. Um, especially because it feels like we've already kind of lost Sabine. Like, like I think that there's going to be some stories with her next season, but I don't think she's going to be a main member of the, the cast like she has been previously. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it was, impro- it was appropriate. I, I don't want to see Rex or Callus go. I'm glad that like, I can't believe that Rex is still around showed up at the beginning of season two and he's still yeah. there. Um, and he will have an end I'm sure before, before, uh, uh, Rebels is up, but but I'm glad that he's still around. I, yeah, I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to see him go anytime soon for sure. Yeah, <clears throat> he's so, sort of our last real connection to the Clone Wars, you know. Like yeah, like yeah. Uh, there's sort of these other little ideas kicking around, like Hondo's around and that sort of thing. But Rex is really only our only last direct link to our heroes from the Clone Wars. So, yeah, and look, if Rex dies, Rex has to die if the, uh, die at the hands of Vader. I think that's the way that has to go. I think that there's like a there's a story there to tell, in which, like, I think Rex has to f- discover that Vader is Anakin before he dies, and he has to sort of pass judgment on on Vader a little mm-hmm. bit. So that hasn't happened, and, and until that happens, I, I can't say goodbye to Rex. Yeah. No. Well, I guess. Um... There's been talk about is he the actual guy that's on the the Endor in, in Return of the Jedi? I mean, if we're, yeah, I if don't we're guessing that, no, I think that's I don't just, think it is. <laughs> that's very yeah. hopeful. I don't think that. Yeah, like first of all, he awesome. ages double time, so yeah. I don't. He would be much older by the time that's you long, hit uh, yeah. Endor. Yeah, but yeah, no, I don't think so. So uh, yeah, like I said, uh, thanks to Bob for the thoughts. And um, again, if you're listening. Let us know what you think of the season of this episode. Uh, anything, you know. Like I said, we'll we'll collect some emails hopefully and uh, talk about it on our next episode. Um, but until then, um, season four will be coming out later on this fall. And uh, real quick, here is a um, kind of a tease on what the crew and some. I get, yeah, basically just the crew what they think uh, and what what to expect in season four. So check this out. 
forward to in season four. Everything. It's all good. There's going to be some epic stuff in season four. We're trying some new things that we haven't done before, technique-wise and stuff. I think it'll be really cool for the fans to see. Visually, we're going to continue telling the story through Star Wars eyes. It's beautiful. It's very beautiful. I'm excited for season four because we're going to see a lot of new faces and some very beloved old faces, too. What our characters didn't get closure on was the ability to go free with all. That's such a huge thing in Ezra's life, and it's important to our heroes. So that's not forgotten. You will also get to see what it means for the good guys to keep fighting, that their success is not determined by one big battle. It's about the fact that they, no matter what, win or lose, they get up and they fight again the next day. And I think that's a really important piece to this show and something I think we're all very proud of. You will see Mama Mothma again. You'll see Saw Gerrera again. You'll get much more of an insight into seeing how that relationship breaks down and breaks apart. It might be possibly, possibly, possibly when you'd see an X-Wing. I would look forward to Mandalore, going to Mandalore, seeing Mandalore. The longer we've gone with this series, the more it just has occurred to me that Rebels really is in a lot of ways going to finish Clone Wars. It's going to give us an ending for so many things that I didn't get to finish. That was never intentional. That was never the goal, but it's kind of worked out that way with the way so many characters have come into it. And I think that's a good thing in a way that they're kind of a partnered series. Well, not exactly, you know, implicitly connected. There is a very much a shared story path for many characters in it, which I think has been good in the end. Whoa. See so, um, some interesting stuff there, Mike. And here's some things that kind of jumped out at me listening to that. Um, they talked about seeing new things, um, especially technically. So that's kind of exciting to see. They're mm -hmm. going to push the boundaries even more with the show visually as well. Uh, we're going to see some new faces, old faces. Um, we're going to see, uh, I think, Pablo, you mentioned Lothal, so we might get some more of what's really going to happen with the yeah. ultimate fate of Lothal. Um, and then here's one for you, Mike. We're going to see some X-Wings, possibly. There you yeah. go. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, and he said he talked about um, Saw and Mothma and how that relationship, when we see it in Rogue One, what exactly happened with that? You know, what what is the downfall of those two characters? And yeah. then, of course, the big thing coming out of the Rebels recon was um, – that last image, and it looks like we're going to get what happened to the Mandalorian race. Uh, did you see that, Mike? Yeah, I did for sure. And and I, you know, I think, look, I've said it before about other stuff in this episode, uh, and I know that Matt Campbell uh, posted on the Facebook and, and was kind of like, "Hey, what do you guys think?" Uh, okay. We don't know. We've never Sato had to die. We don't see him in the original trilogy. The the carrier had to get destroyed. We don't see it in the original trilogy. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> The, these the Mandalorians have to get wiped out. That has to happen, right? Like it's part yeah. of Boba Fett's story, and I don't think that they're going to deviate too much for that from that. So, uh, I do think that we're going to see at least the good side of the Mandalorians get wiped out. Um, and we know that Katie Sackhoff recorded stuff as Bo-Katan at some point, and we thought yes. it was going to be this season, yes. but it didn't happen. So it's coming, it's coming. We will see Bo-Katan return next season, I think. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Good stuff, man. And, and cool. I tell you what, we'll find some more out in just a few weeks. Yeah, just we a couple more weeks. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, sure. yeah. So that's going to do it for this episode and this season of Star Wars Rebels. Mike. That's it. Yeah, we're a wrap on season four. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening all throughout the season. Thanks for supporting us uh, in all of the ways that you guys do, whether it's by writing emails or over on Patreon or 
by buying merch, whatever it is, we appreciate it. And uh, it's been, yeah. even though, you know, the episodes might not have always been as, as uh, uh, great as we would hope. It's been a, it's been a great season regardless because of you guys. So because yeah. of the, the fans and the community and everything. So thank you guys. Uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So thank you guys for listening. As always, you can stay up to date with all the latest star Wars rebels news by heading to rebelspodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash rebels podcast and on Twitter at rebels podcast. You can follow me on rebel on Twitter. I'm at arkwolf air. K-W-U-L-F and you can follow Matt at the Crankster that is Crankster with a K uh, yes. we are also a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network head to thunderquack.com to check out more great podcasts and if you like what you hear you can support us by going to store.thunderquack.com pick up some merch maybe get a shirt maybe get an iPhone case or a laptop sleeve or you know all sorts of cool stuff that we got going on over there and uh, if you want to you can also head over to patreon.com slash thunderquack and support us there by pledging your support and getting some cool rewards in the process but uh that is it for this week's episode that is it for season four thank you guys for listening and we will catch you sometime the week after uh star wars celebration so see you guys then see you soon